I hear old bloody bones on the first step. Do you hear him? Now he's on the second step. He's dragging a chain behind him. He's coming down, and the blood is dripping on the steps. Can you hear it? Drip, drip, drip. He's on the landing now. Drip, drip. He is coming on down. Now he is in the dining room. Hear that chain rattling? He's coming closer. Hear the door squeaking? He's in the room with us. Now he's behind you. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing Raw Head and Bloody Bones, an English and North American boogeyman that's head is stripped of its skin and his body is nothing but bones covered in blood. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes too. The more we get, the more we grow and hopefully the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Noah Dickens heard his mom calling him for breakfast, but he rolled over and continued to lay in his bed. He stretched and let out a yawn so hard it made his jaw pop. He looked toward his window and could see that it was still dark outside. Noah never could understand why he had to get up two and a half hours early just to get to school. He could be up, dressed, and ready in ten minutes. His mother had often argued that a person needs to get up and get their blood pumping early if they wanted to have a good productive day. Noah rolled over and closed his eyes. He wasn't feeling productive, and honestly, didn't think that a 15-year-old boy was going to change the world anyway. About that time, he heard her call again. You better be out of that bed. With that, he rolled his eyes and got up. He threw on some jeans and a shirt and was walking to the kitchen five minutes later. He could already see his younger sister, Jenny, sitting at the table. He grabbed a chair and plopped down in front of her. His plate was already set so he began taking large bites of food. Jenny smiled and said, Good morning to you as well. Noah quickly whipped back with, Don't start. His mother came and sat down at the table. She reminded Noah that they would be going to his grandmother's house after school, as she had been begging to see the kids. Noah quickly argued back, But it's Friday night! His mother interrupted him, saying, I don't care what day of the week it is. You will be going. Noah already knew that when she used that tone, that there would be no further negotiations. Later that morning, while waiting to go to his first class, 
he had to break the news to his friends, Roger and Jacob. They had planned to sneak up to an old barn they had recently heard about. It was intended to be a good party spot, though they needed to make sure it was in decent enough shape. The barn was in a remote location way up in the woods. Supposedly, there used to be a house as well, but it had long since caved in from years of neglect. The story goes that the farmer had a young son and daughter. One night he woke to find that they had both been brutally murdered in their beds. The townspeople had blamed the crimes on the farmer and his wife, as all that they found of the kids were a few bloody bones and teeth in their beds. So soon after, they had just vanished and never returned. Everyone thought the land was cursed, so the house and barn were just left to rot with time. Now that Noah and his friends had found out about it, they couldn't wait to see it. A place everyone had forgotten about or refused to go to. The perfect location for young people to sneak away from the adults and do all the things they knew they weren't supposed to. They had also taken up a morbid fascination with the alleged history. Roger quickly reminded Noah that they had been planning this for two weeks. It was decided that they would just have to sneak out later in the evening. Noah had never had a problem with sneaking out before, so it seemed like a sound plan to him. Once the school day had ended, Noah loaded up in the family car to head over to his grandmother's house. He always kind of dreaded the visits with his mother's mother. Her house was pretty run down, and she didn't even have a television, much less internet access. So he would have to sit there and listen to her go on about her late husband and her illnesses. Every once in a while, she would tell an interesting story or two. That was at least enough to keep him entertained for a few minutes at a time. When they arrived, his grandmother did the same thing she always had, commenting on how big he and his sister Jenny were getting and saying that she never gets to see them. After all the customary greetings were out of the way, she and Noah's mother began short-lived conversations about boring adult stuff while Noah and Jenny argued over who got the big recliner. Not that it was all that comfortable. It was in the corner off to one side and helped to keep them from being noticed as much. Jenny had won the argument, so that meant a lot of the comments would be directed at him. Around that time, Noah took interest when he heard his grandmother talking about the old grocery store that had been torn down long ago. He just realized for the first time that his mother's family had lived here for generations. Who better to ask about the old barn than his grandmother? Noah had blurted the question out without thinking. The old woman just gazed up at him for a moment and then began to talk. She told him that the house and property had been there since before her time. Noah asked her if it were true that children had been murdered there. She told him that as far as she ever knew, that had been the truth. She then went on to admit that those things had happened when her mother, Noah's great-grandmother, was a teenager. Anything she remembered would just be second-hand information, though she carried on. The children had been murdered, and most everyone blamed the parents. There were some who took a more dubious approach and blamed something a lot more evil. All his grandmother knew for sure is that her and her siblings were absolutely forbidden to go near that place. 
It was then that she strongly advised Noah to do the same. Noah, being locked into the story, asked, What could be more evil than people who kill their own kids? Even Noah's mother seemed to be waiting to hear the answer. His grandmother took a deep breath and began telling them about an old demon story that people used to believe in back in those days. They called him Rawhead and Bloody Bones. He looked for children who didn't mind their parents. Once he found one, he would sneak into the house late at night and brutally kill and in some cases, try to eat them. Noah and Jenny sat appalled at the thought that any adult would consider this as a possible explanation. His grandmother continued, It was believed that the farmer's kids were thieves and that they had stolen from some of the shop owners in town. They were always up to no good no matter where they went. Everyone had gotten tired of their mischief and their parents' inability to stop it. Some people from back then believed Rawhead had been called on to take care of them. Then, when it actually happened, they got scared. Noah's grandmother looked him straight in the eye and said, So I guess it's up to you to decide. Did those kids' parents kill them, or did old Rawhead pay them a visit? The room was totally still and quiet. Then Noah's grandmother burst out laughing so loud it made them all three jump. She told them it was just an old story she was told to keep her from playing around those old dangerous buildings. Noah was absolutely sure he would be going now. He had to know what might be up there. If nothing else, the story had sparked his imagination. As soon as he returned home, he waited until he knew his parents were settled in for the night. Then he was out the window and down the road. He was the first one to show up on the train tracks where him and his friends always meet up. Soon Jacob and Roger were there and they were off into the woods. On the way, Noah recounted the story his grandmother had told him. They laughed at him and asked if he believed in all that old crap. He told them that he didn't, but deep down, there was a strange childish fear building. They reached the old barn about an hour into the walk. Up until then, the moonlight had been enough for them to see by. Though strange as it was, the place seemed to be much darker than anywhere else. They were quick to turn on their flashlights. Roger walked up to the barn doors. There was a rusted padlock on them. Jacob laughed, not like we haven't had to deal with this before. Noah, beginning to get nervous, suggested, Maybe we should come back tomorrow when it's daylight. The building might not be safe, and and we can see much better in the daylight. Roger took the hammer from his bag. He looked at Noah and said, There's no going back now. Without hesitation, he struck the lock, and it broke on the first swing. Jacob grabbed what was left of the lock and tossed it aside. The boys pushed the large doors and the one on the right swung open. See, told you it would be fine. As they walked in, a putrid odor filled the air. Noah could have swore that he heard a raspy, broken-sounding breath. Mm. 
This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raw Head and Bloody Bones is one of the more intriguing ghosts, or possibly more of a monster. And he is so special, he has two names. Although the original story is from Britain, there is a uniquely American twist that is essentially a different ghostly being. Bloody Bones, often used in conjunction with his friend Rawhead, is a boogeyman of British folklore. Through the years, however, the story of Rawhead and Bloody Bones spread to North America and was figuratively adopted by the South. Due to the exposure, it is believed by many to be an originally Southern legend. Children that misbehaved were often threatened with a visit from Bloody Bones. The name Bloody Bones itself could understandably be enough to scare the bad behavior out of a young child. So to get to the bottom of the story, we must go back all the way to the beginning but the problem is, no one knows when the story began. The folklore of Rawhead and Bloody Bones was lost in time. Since the original accounts of Rawhead and Bloody Bones were not preserved, there is a great deal of contradicting information concerning them. In his 1925 book, An Evening's Entertainment, British novelist M.R. James presents Rawhead and Bloody Bones as the classic example of forgotten folklore and complains how the story has been lost even if the name still exists. According to some sources, Rawhead and Bloody Bones are one and the same, or at the very least, substantially related. While some claim that the creatures known as Rawhead and Bloody Bones go by other names, others claim that the two are different creatures that are frequently seen together. Even more differing opinions exist on what this creature or monsters actually are. Like the Grindylo and Jenny Greenteeth, the river hag of English folklore, Bloody Bones is sometimes thought of as a water demon that preyed on children in deep ponds, oceans, and old marl pits, 
which frequently filled with water to produce ponds. Keep away from the marl pit or rawhead and bloody bones will have you, was the warning given to children. In Somerset folklore, Ruth Tongue claimed that he lived under the stairs, typically in a dark cabinet. If you were brave enough to peek through a crack, you may catch a glimpse of the terrifying creature, sitting and waiting on a heap of raw bones that belonged to youngsters who had lied or used foul language. The creature has blood streaming down his face. He could still catch you if you peered through the keyhole. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, Rawhead and his sidekick Bloody Bones first appear around 1564, but as seen by the following quotation from an Anglican minister in 1566, he was already well known. Hell and the devil, the minister said, needs to be taken at least as seriously as grandmother's tale of Bloody Bone, Rawhead, and werewolves. No word on whether his parishioners went away more impressed with Satan than grandmother's worrisome stories. This nighttime horror is depicted in at least one nursery rhyme, which is from Yorkshire, and demonstrates how this tale has terrified kids for centuries. Rawhead and Bloody Bones steals naughty children from their homes, takes them to his dirty den, and they are never seen again. More recent stories of Rawhead and Bloody Bones from Southern American states present a very different image. Bloody Bones is sometimes depicted as a pile of bloody bones, rattling to life as a headless horror, on which a skinless head, raw head, would find its place. Other versions of the tale describe Bloody Bones as a skeletal being, bloody and stripped of most bodily tissue. In certain versions of the tale, raw head is the severed head of a butchered hog, who, after being brought to life by a vengeful witch, reunite with its scattered bones to find the hunter who had killed it. The abomination enters the hunter's home through the chimney and ultimately eats him alive. Nowadays, tales of raw head and bloody bones are largely heard in the southern U.S. states, and many people think that's where the traditions originated. If you're familiar with southern folklore, you know that many of the region's stories draw from the African tales retold by enslaved people to whites over the 250 years before the Civil War. Rawhead and Bloody Bones may be an example of a legend that worked in the opposite direction, passed on by whites to their African slaves. When the tale migrated to America, it became an African-American folktale about a mean little boy named Little Eight John who never listened to his mother. He squashed frogs, climbed trees, sat backwards on chairs, and so on. His mother told him to stop doing all of this or Bloody Bones would come and get him. But of course, he didn't pay any attention to her. One night, Bloody Bones came and ate Little Eight John, leaving just a bloody stain on the kitchen table. The next morning, his mother was cleaning the house and she wiped up the stain. And that was the end of Little Eight John. Eventually, the story migrated to the Ozarks and became an Appalachian folktale about an old witch who brings a dead hog back to life. As the story goes, way back in the Ozark Mountains, nestled in a hollow deep within the woods, was a little old house. The story goes that Rawhead was a boar who lived in the old house in the woods with Old Betty, a notorious conjure woman who lived alone 
The boar, who had developed a similar fondness for the elderly woman, was her lone companion. Unaware that Rawhead was the elderly woman's pet, a hunter came across it one day and killed it before taking it home to eat. In some of the stories, the hunter is aware of old Betty and Rawhead and is seeking retribution against her for cursing him. In other stories, the hunter is a farmer whose crops have failed as a result of old Betty. In any event, the man kills Rawhead and consumes him. Old Betty was enraged after learning that her sole friend has passed away and summons the soul of the deceased animal. There are several variations in this story, one involving pictures made from a potion, another with Old Betty or possibly the hunter, burying Rawhead in a human cemetery. In any sense, the creature Old Betty conjures is not only the accompanying razorback beast. Instead, Rawhead and Bloody Bones, a humanoid body topped with a boar's skull and covered in blood, is produced. The creature then stalks its killer and corners him. What ensues sounds more like a version of Little Red Riding Hood. The hunter asks why the creature has such foul red eyes, and it tells him, the better to see your grave. He asks why it has such sharp fingers, and the creature says, the better to rip you apart, and so on. The final line is almost directly from the Brothers Grimm. When asked why the creature has such large tusks, it says, the better to eat you just like you ate me. After the hunter meets a horrific end, the creature, driven by hatred, marches off into the night and mimics the original boogeyman as it kidnaps children at night so it can eat their flesh and bones. Both versions are unpleasant and horrifying. The original served as the basis for Clive Barker's short story, Rawhead Rex. In the tale, Rawhead is a manifestation of a long-gone paganism. It was turned into a terrible 1980s horror movie featuring a monster that appeared more comical than terrifying. However, the original tale is still incredibly creepy. Strangely, the creature in the film was designed to resemble a hideous humanoid boar, complete with a pig-like snout and teeth that resembled tusks. In other popular culture, Rawhead and Bloody Bones is a song from the album Peep Show by English rock band Susie and the Banshees. In the start of episode 12 in the first season of TV series Supernatural, Sam and Dean are fighting a Rawhead. They go into a basement where they find a boy and girl hiding in a cupboard. As they are taking the children to safety, the Rawhead ambushes them. Sam leaves with the children while Dean fights the Rawhead himself. The Rawhead attacks Dean and throws him onto a wet floor. Despite the fact that they are both in a puddle of water, Dean uses his taser to electrocute the Rawhead, killing it, but also severely injuring himself too. The Anita Blake book, Bloody Bones, a novel in the Anita Blake Vampire Hunter series by Laurel K. Hamilton, also deals with a version of Rawhead and Bloody Bones. Bloody Bones continues the adventures of Anita Blake. This time, Anita travels to Branson, Missouri, and is quickly enmeshed in a series of supernatural murders and disappearances that she and her vampire would-be lover, Jean-Claude, must resolve. 
As with its predecessors, a rawhead shows up in the first chapters of the Dresden Files novel, Cold Days, where Rawhead is one of Redcap's backup thugs, along with a snow ogre, at Mab's birthday party for Harry Dresden. When you're a child, you don't question the existence of monsters. You know, on some primal level, that there are things in the dark waiting to grab you. You might not be able to put a name or a face to such dangers, but you're certain they're out there all the same. Your parents may come into your room and show you that there's nothing under the bed or in the closet or outside the window. They'll put on the nightlight and insist there's no such thing as monsters. While you're reassured, as you drift off into sleep, you still harbor doubts. It's at the edge of such thoughts that Rawhead and Bloody Bones lives. The boys were holding their shirts up to their noses while they pointed their flashlights in all different directions. Noah asked Jacob and Roger if they had heard the noise when the doors opened. Roger replied, There wasn't a noise, just this awful smell. To Noah, it sounded like something had woken up. When he told the other two boys, they just ignored him. They were more interested in how cool the place was. The barn was much larger on the inside than it had looked from the outside. There was old farming implements still hung on the walls and wooden storage boxes everywhere. Jacob spotted a ladder leading up to a hayloft. Noah told him to be careful, though it was too late, as the boy was already grabbing the rungs and ascending. Roger laughed and yelled, Maybe you can find that dead animal while you're up there. After a few moments, there was still no reply. Noah yelled up to him, What do you see? As he pointed the flashlight upwards towards the landing. There was still no response. The boys looked at each other and rolled their eyes. It was pretty common for Jacob to try and prank them in this kind of way. So Roger said in a loud voice, Okay, we will just be leaving then. Just then they heard a faint noise of what sounded like someone gasping for breath. The sound of cracking and popping followed it. The very still, quiet, made the noise stand out with an eerie resonance. Noah could tell that Roger was beginning to be unnerved as well by the shaking in his voice when he yelled, Don't make me come up there! A few moments later, a raspy voice answered back. I don't think this young man will be making anyone do anything ever again. Noah yelled back. That's very funny, Jacob. Annoyed, but glad it was just his friend being stupid. Noah and Roger walked back to the ladder and asked Jacob to come down so they could leave. The raspy, strange voice answered once again. I guess you need proof that what I say is true. Suddenly, something large was hurled from a hole in top of the loft. Noah jumped to one side, barely dodging it. Roger was not so lucky, as it hit him in the face, knocking him down. Noah looked on in pure terror, as he could clearly see the object was in fact Jacob. He had a large hole ripped in his chest. Both of his arms were gone and most of one side of his face was missing. 
Roger screamed and began frantically pushing himself out from under his friend's corpse. Noah grabbed his hand and pulled, helping him to get to his feet. Something else fell from the loft, shattering into pieces as it hit the floor. Noah pointed his flashlight in the direction of the impact and stared in disbelief. It had been a pile of bones. They had scattered when they hit the floor, and now they were reassembling rather quickly. Soon, standing in front of them was a skeletal type of being. It was obvious that it was the source of the awful stench. There were still what looked like chunks of rotting flesh attached to some of the bones. They were also covered in Jacob's blood. It held out its hand, and in it was the skull. It had the missing half of Jacob's face stretched over it on one side. The other half looked like it had a very old and mostly decomposed face attached to it. Both boys began screaming and running for the barn doors. The creature threw its skull, striking Roger in the back of the head with it. The blow made a large cracking sound. Noah turned to see if he could help. Roger was trying to stand up, but the skeleton was already standing over him. It placed its skull back on its neck, reattaching it to make itself whole. Roger reached out, trying to pull himself up, and the creature grabbed his wrist. It folded his arm in the wrong direction, breaking it in several places. Roger howled in pain. The being then laughed. Good boys, don't trespass on land that isn't theirs. They stay at home like they are told and don't get themselves hurt. Noah watched as Roger was picked up and slammed back down on the ground. His limbs were being twisted and mangled. The creature then shoved its hand deep into Roger's stomach. With a quick, ripping motion, his intestines were torn out with chunks of what looked like his spinal cord. Noah now knew there would be no saving him. He turned and began running harder than he had ever ran in his life. The sound of his feet hitting the ground got the demon's attention. It screamed, Running won't save you from me now! Noah didn't look back. He ran through the woods and made it to the train tracks. It suddenly occurred to him that his grandmother's house was closer than his parents'. His lungs were starting to burn and his chest got tight from running. He prayed that he could keep up the pace just a little longer. He was soon standing on the porch beating on his grandmother's door. She answered and he pushed the door open past her and burst into the house, landing on his stomach in the floor. His grandmother ran to him and helped him up, asking what in the world he was doing. Noah began crying and trying to catch his breath. He told her the story about Rawhead was true. He explained that him and his friends went to the barn and were attacked by it. She embraced him and asked, Where are your friends? He became even more hysterical as the realization of what had happened began setting in. He told her that bloody bones had killed them. She stared at him with a very concerning look. She hugged him tighter 
and tried to reassure him that Bloody Bones is just a story. She offered up the explanation that maybe his friends were just playing a prank on him. She told him he was safe now and that she would call his parents to come get him. Then they would go find Roger and Jacob and he would see it was all a mistake. Noah pleaded with her to believe him. Soon she was on the phone with his mother. He could hear her yelling in anger that he was supposed to be at home in his room. His grandmother was explaining that his friends had shaken him up badly. Noah was listening to the conversation, staring blankly at the TV in shock, when something drew his gaze to the living room window. There, peeking through the curtains, he could see Jacob's face looking in. His grin was slightly contorted in a disturbing way. His head turned, and the other side was Roger's face. Noah let out a blood-curdling scream. His grandmother came running to his aid, begging to know what was wrong. The front door burst open, shattering the small glass windows beside it. The smell of putrid death filled the house. Noah's grandmother yelled and turned to face Noah. Just then, he could see a skeletal arm reach around her neck. It gripped her throat and then flung her across the room. The creature then locked its eyes on Noah and stepped towards him. Noah looked up at his friend's mutilated faces staring down at him. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath because Noah knew what came next. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss The Wild Hunt, a ghostly or supernatural group of hunters engaged in pursuit of slaves to drag to the afterlife. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>